0: Well, good morning, welcome to week four in relationship goals, you know, after a worship service like that, you kind of just want to stay there, don't you? It's a a, a challenge to step in and then do just a very practical kind of teaching, but that's what we've been trying to do each week in this series. And so I pray that that will be helpful for you today. I hope you'll take notes. I hope there'll be some practical pieces that will serve you in all of your relationships. I want to begin very quickly by doing a quick poll. We've been seeing this uh, video introduction every week, and I just want to go ahead and ask, how many people when it comes to toilet paper are the over people? Hands up, all right, yep. How many are the under people? God help you people, I don't know <laughs> what's going on with you. How many of you are the toothpaste in the middle, squeeze in the middle, it doesn't matter where you squeeze it. How many of you are squeeze it from the bottom and work your way up? Yes, the godly people all raising their hands right now. <laughs> we, we are all so different. We see things differently, we approach things differently, and that's why relationships can be complicated. I want to talk to you about, show you one picture from one other relationship. This is a picture from almost 35 years ago. Um, Yeah, this is me and my dear bride who's sitting right down here. Um, 35 years ago this August. And uh, you know, that day I remember, uh, not all that much about that day, honestly. It's, um, You know, I remember we made a lot of promises, Uh, there were a lot of relationship goals that were talked about, the rest of it is just kind of a blur to me. Um, It was a wonderful day, it was an awesome day, and we've watched the video many times. And uh, so I remember what happened, but I do remember that there was a promise that we made to each other, and it's echo, it, it was an echo of a promise, and actually of a challenge in Romans Chapter 12 and verse 10. I want you to open your Bibles there because it's going to frame us for today and uh, what we're talking about in this relationship goal number four as we finish this series today. Romans chapter 12 and verse 10, Paul says this, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. Relationship goal number four I want to hit today is this, honor one another. Honor one another in your relationships. And this isn't just about marriage. Some of what we're talking about will certainly relate to marriage, but it's all of our relationships. Honoring one another as husband and wife, as Uh, Honoring people in your family, honoring people in the workplace, in the school. This is applicable in so many places that we are to honor one another. And we want to talk about how do we do this practically. Uh, And in this series, we've been trying to give you some practical kinds of goals, so I hope you'll take some notes uh, and be able to apply this in these different places. Now, to honor someone means that we're going to ascribe to them, we're going to demonstrate to them uh, that uh, a high respect or a high esteem, it's, it's a way of demonstrating or communicating to them, I see value in you. There is great value in you, and it's not connected to what you do, It's not uh, something that you've earned. It's intrinsic value. It's who you are. I see great value in you. I appreciate who you are. As Christians, we recognize that this is somebody that God loves, that God created on purpose, that God gave his life for, that Jesus died for, and that God has a destiny for. And the Bible is very specific. It tells us there are lots of people we're supposed to honor. Yes, we're supposed to honor our spouse, but we're also, the Bible says, we're supposed to honor our parents. We're supposed to honor the elderly. Let's hear it for us elderly, amen? Like, yeah, um, you're, so, you're to honor the boss. You're to honor those who are in, in authority in church. You're, you're to honor political, government officials. You're, you're to honor the military and, and police. We're to honor uh, our children. We're to honor everyone, the Bible says. Our relationships is so important that we honor one another in our relationships. And so what does that look like? What does that mean? How do we honor one another? And notice that the scripture there, it says to honor one another above yourselves. One version of that Romans twelve ten says it this way, outdo one another in honor outdo each other in honoring. Pastor Matt mentioned that at the beginning of the series, that all of these relationship goals are really, we're, we're trying to outdo one another in serving, in loving, and caring for each other. It's the one competition where the way you win it is not being the top dog, but being, playing second fiddle. Does that make sense? It's like, like, when I'm gonna win by making someone else successful, when, when I put that person on the winner's platform, that's a win for me. That's what we mean when we're talking about honoring one another before ourselves, putting them ahead of us. Now, why would we do this? What, what, what is the, the, um, the reason for it? Why would we want to do this? And really, it's very simple. People matter to God, and so they should matter to us too. People really matter to God. In fact, you know, maybe you're here today and you're just kind of checking things out just to see, um, you know, what's happening in church. Maybe you've not been a, for a while. Maybe you've been kind of separated or, or you feel like maybe God uh, has it in for you. Or, you know, I, I, I meet people all the time that say, well, the church, you know, the, I'm glad that the ceiling didn't cave in on me when I showed up at church today. Because, you know, I'm apparently that, that bad of a person or whatever. Listen, God absolutely loves you. He so cares about you. You matter to him. And maybe you came in here wondering today, do you matter to him? I hope you recognize you matter to God. He's desperately seeking after you, to love you, to encourage you, to draw you to himself. He absolutely loves you. People matter to God. Jesus made this very clear. He was great at honoring people. You know, he he told a story in Matthew chapter 10. He said, the Father in heaven even knows when a sparrow falls to the ground— but get this, he knows how many hairs are on your head. <laughs> for some of us, that's not as hard as it is for others of us. Um, but he does. He knows how many hairs are on you, head. You've, you've, you matter to him that much. In fact, Jesus finished that story by saying, you are worth much more than many, many sparrows. You matter to God. People matter to God, and so they should matter to us. And that's why this relationship series, that's why these relationship goals, because people matter to God and they should matter to us. Now, today, as we're, we're kind of finishing up this series, we've, we've tried to be very practical. And so today I'm going to give you some specific ways that we honor one another, but I'm also going to hopefully put some tools in our relationship tool belt that will help us honor each other, whether it's husband and wife or within our families beyond that or in our coworkers or school, wherever it might be, how are some ways that we honor one another? And I want to begin by, by simply saying this. We honor one another when we affirm each other often. Find a way to affirm one another. We, we defend, we accept or, or upholding someone else. I mean, that's what we mean when we're saying we're affirming them. We're confirming their validity and, and, and their worth. Last week, Pastor Matt, when, uh, when he was preaching, he, he introduced this concept, and I'll try to just touch on it today, but I believe I, I really wanted to come back and visit it today, and it, and it comes out of a, a verse in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 33. In Ephesians 5, Paul has been talking about relationships in the household, and then he kind of summarizes something, and he says this. He says, however, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband love and respect what paul is saying is a very true very much a truism and it's a it's a generality but i think it's true and that is that women crave feeling loved and men crave feeling respected that's, that's the basis. That's, that's what he's saying. And that this should be a proactive thing on our part, not just reactive, not just when we get in trouble or, or when, when issues happen, but it should be something that we make a way. Of life. Now, there's a guy that wrote a book about this, Emerson Eggerich. I'm going to show you the, the book cover real quick. It's called Love and Respect. It's a great book. It's for it's a great book for relationships, and I really encourage you uh, to read this book. Grab this book. It's it's a wonderful book, and it will help you. and And Eggerich, when he describes this, he says that that. When that's happening in a relationship, when women are being loved, listen, in ways they perceive and, and understand as love, and when men are being respected in ways that they perceive and, and understand respect, that then the relationship is mutually satisfying. And that's a good thing. It's great when that's happening. But he also said when that's not happening, when part of that begins to fail, we can find ourselves in this thing that he calls a crazy cycle. Pastor, does this sound familiar? Pastor Matt mentioned this last week. And what happens in this crazy cycle is when there is a lack of love or a lack of respect, it brings about a response from the other and it begins to feed on each other. Uh, A lack of love results from her sometimes then in showing less respect and that less respect will cause him to be less loving and it becomes this downward spiral and that's not happy. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands if you've uh, ever been there, but I I think most of us can know we've experienced that, right? You ever had one of those fights that wasn't a fight? Nobody was saying anything, but you knew something was wrong and and it's just, you know, it's just kind of these little, these actions or reactions and it just spirals down. It's a bad place. To be. And when we're, our relationships are in that kind of uh, mode, in that, in that cycle, what's going to happen? Uh, it's going to end in a couple of ways. One, and this is really dangerous. One is that the two parties kind of just distance themselves from each other. And when they do that, listen, they start looking for that love or that respect from other sources. I'll find it at work. I'll find it somewhere else. Right, dangerous. Right, that can happen, and they live, end up living almost separate lives. Um, it can certainly bring an end to the relationship. It either implodes or explodes. That's a terrible end to it. But there's a third option for this, and Matt alluded to it last week, and that is somebody does Romans chapter twelve verse ten, honors the other one and says, you know what? I'm going to step out of this cycle, and stop responding in a negative way, and instead I'm going to give love even when I don't feel it. I'm going to show respect even when he doesn't deserve it. Now that sounds tough to do, doesn't it? Stepping out, being willing to make the choice to act lovingly, being willing to make the choice to act respectfully even when we don't feel it. And then the question becomes, well, why would we do that? Because that's really, aren't I being a hypocrite? If I decide to act in a loving way and, and yet um, I don't really feel it? Aren't I being hypocritical when I'm going to act respectfully when he doesn't deserve my respect because of what he did or what he said? No, why would I do this? It's not based on feelings. I do this in obedience to God's word. I do this because God's word says I am to honor. I should show love. I should show respect. Do you notice what I said when I, when I, when I said how, how men should act? Men should act lovingly toward their wives. Women should act respectfully. doesn't mean you're always gonna feel it. It's not based on feeling. It's a decision for obedience. I will do this. We would say it this way in kind of churchy terms. I'm gonna do this as unto Jesus. Like it's Jesus I'm serving. I'm I'm gonna gonna plaster Jesus's face. And no, it's not the Jesus from the chosen, but that's what we all picture now, right? So, so, all right, Jonathan Rumi, there he is. There's his face. I'm gonna plaster his face on my husband and, and I'm gonna act respectfully as unto Jesus because it's what God's word tells me to do. I'm gonna act lovingly toward her, not because I even feel it in the moment, but because it's what God tells me to do somebody has gone first and stepped out of the cycle makes all the difference in the world now now you got to be careful here you got to do it for the right motivation i'm doing it out of obedience to god as unto jesus i'm not doing it so that i get some kind of response from her or response from him if i'm only doing it because i hope well maybe if i do this she'll act more respectfully what is, that's honestly that's manipulation Trying to And that's not going to last long either, because guess what? They ain't going to react immediately anyway. It's not going to happen like that, right? We're all in process. We're all on the journey. In fact, I want to share this word with you. I, I want you to jot this down. It's a great phrase, and it's not original to me. In fact, I want to share this with you. A great couple in our church who have mentored many couples over the years in our church Um, That's DJ and Earlene Mangum. Earlene has passed away. She's with the Lord now. DJ is here in church today. It's good to see you, DJ. Love you, buddy. They gave me this phrase probably 14 years ago, and I think it's so powerful. And here's what it is. Stop worrying about who's right or being right and just focus on doing right. Isn't that good? Stop worrying about about being right and focus on doing right. If we could learn this in our relationships, it would save us so much trouble, so much heartache. I'm gonna step out of that cycle because it's the right thing to do. I'm doing it as unto the Lord. And God's gonna take care of me. God's gonna help me with this in this moment. It's so awesome in this love and respect. Well, let's talk about what that might look like in the workplace. Like how could we use this elsewhere? So maybe showing respect in the workplace might be some things like this, refusing to gossip about coworkers, about your boss. Not gonna jump into that, right? Maybe it means that you embrace your role at work, that your job is to make someone else successful. Did you know that if you have a boss, your job is to make your boss successful? Seriously, that, that's your job. I'm getting a lot of amens over here. Thank you. I appreciate that. I don't know about you guys. I might, maybe I'll hang over here. We'll see if we, we, we get a little something. Um, yeah, your job is to make your boss successful. So do that, make other people successful. Listen, maybe, and if you're having a hard time showing respect, then, then maybe you need to transfer. You need to look to try to go to a different place or, or you need to even, even quit and, and work somewhere else. Listen, we need to be honorable as in, in our relationships. What about showing love? How, what are some safe ways to express love? How do we show love in the workplace? Well, let's be careful with this, but you know, one thing we can do is we can show appreciation. We can express appreciation to our coworkers. Thank you for your help. You did an awesome job on that. Maybe it's offering to help another co-worker before being asked. You know, I'll be glad to help with that if you'd like me to. What about bringing your whole personality to work? Not just, you know, not just Mr. Businessman, Mrs. Businesswoman, but like bring your joy, bring your laughter, bring, bring who you are to, to the workplace with you. That's bringing life to others. And maybe just one other thought on this. Let's be careful to remember that your your friends, your people at work, they have work lives and then they have their own life out of work just like you do with all the stresses and all the challenges and all the worries and the concerns that they have. (laughs) You know, it's like I love to look when I'm in the grocery store with my wife. She's a school teacher and a kid will come up who's um, who's in one of her elementary classes and they look so amazed because they don't they think she lives at school <laughs> like they think that's all she does she just lives at school and 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 that's you know she eats there and sleeps there and that's that's and when they see her out somewhere else it's they're just amazed by that right can we keep that in mind about our coworkers? They've got lives and they've got issues they're struggling with. They might, you might have come up on a, the bad end of a look or a phrase or they may have said something to you that was a little off. But you don't know what they're going through. Let's show love. Let's show grace for them. Amen? Does that make sense? So it's really important for us to do this, to love and respect. Now, listen, one of the ways, one of the things that's important about being able to do this is to understand how other people are wired up. And that's a second way that we can honor others. And that is to discover and accept who they are. Accept them for who they are. This is how God has wired this person up. Listen, I don't understand you toilet paper people that have to have it hanging under. I don't get that. But I love you. And I respect you. Hey, we're different in a lot more important ways, aren't we? We're all wired up differently. In fact, the Bible even talks about this in Romans chapter 12, a little earlier than where we started off today. Romans chapter 12. If you go back, I want to read just a couple of verses here about uh, what the Apostle Paul calls gifts. God has given gifts to the church. And it has to do with how you and I, how we are wired up, In our personality, Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 3. Are you with me? Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Here it is. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, if it is to encourage, then encourage. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, there are seven gifts that he's talked about here. And over the years, out of this, have developed this idea of our kind of personality types or what a lot of scholars call our motivational gifts. And I want want to just introduce this concept to you that all of us are wired up in different ways, except that we all have one of these seven kinds of categories that are dominant in our lives, and probably a secondary category that is also at work in our lives of these things called motivational gifts. Now, what is a motivational gift? Let me say it this way it is the lens through which you view the world, it's how you see the world and, and how you interact with the world. And we all have a different lens. On the world, we, we see and experience things differently. And um, so your spouse, your children, your boss, your coworkers, we all have a dominant gift, one of these motivational gifts that is connected to our personality. And, it's, and it, it's how we view the world, how we interact with the world. It's why we do what we do in the way that we do. And you see these gifts are, are mentioned here in, in kind of a modern terminology, perceiving, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving leading and compassion now I don't have time to unpack all of these gifts and for us to talk about today but let me just give you a quick example of of how these gifts kind of operate that perceiving gift that first one that's mentioned tell me if this sounds like any of you so a perceiver person sees things black and white right or wrong on or off And and they want the facts, give me the facts and I'll make a decision based on the facts and it won't take long and we'll get going. Let me just ask, how many perceivers do we have here in the room? How many perceivers? Now look, you don't have to be ashamed. None of these gifts is better than the other, okay? All right, now let me contrast that with the compassion gift or or mercy gift on the other end. The mercy gift or compassion gift, this person, um, there's lots of shades of gray This person, when they get information, they want to get lots of information, not just the facts. They want to understand the reason behind the facts. They're thinking about the people that are involved in the decision. They take a while to mull it over. They usually talk and process out loud. The perceiver is, you know, mostly working inside the mind and they make the decision. The compassion person has to talk and kind of talk it out loud and talk it through. It takes a while and then they'll finally come to a decision. Let me ask, how many compassion people are out there? Right, yeah, yeah. How many perceivers are married to a compassion? (laughs) Yeah, that's why we see the world so differently. Nothing's wrong, one's not better than the other, they're just different. Let me just tell you why I chose these two. My number one gift, can you guess what my number one gift is? It's compassion. Compassion is my number one gift. My second gift, my second dominant, but it's very close to it, is perceiver. I am in conflict with myself all the time. (laughs) It drives me nuts. I mean, I was a lead pastor years ago and I had to fire somebody. It took me two months to fire the person because I was like, I knew it needed to happen, but I wanted to give them another shot, you know, had mercy and grace and let's try this, you know, and I knew it needed to happen, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. What's the point of this? Listen, The point is when you understand that about the other people in your lives, it helps you have grace for them and honor them as they go through their process of communicating and making decisions. Does that make sense? Can you see how this would help if you know your boss is a perceiver? If I know my boss is a perceiver, I'm not going to give him all the fluff. I'm going to give him the facts. Here's the black. Here's the white. Here's the the criteria to make the decision. I'm not going to use a lot of words and just let him make the decision. Or if it's a compassion person, I'm going to know this is going to take a while for them to decide, give them all the information. They're probably going to want a little more information, and they're going to want to talk about it and process it out loud. That's okay. Nothing's wrong. Not, neither one is right or wrong. They're just are. It's just who we are. So let me just do a quick poll, and we're going to do this online as well. If you you would like to learn more about those motivational gifts in Romans 12 and how God has wired you up and and, and how God can use you and, and how God wants to use you, if you'd like to learn more about that, let me just see. I want to see if we have enough because we would love to do like a seminar. Yeah, I see a lot of hands here. Maybe in the chat, just say yes in the chat. Just type yes there if you would like to be part of that. We want to make that available to you coming up. Now listen, I told you, this is very practical today, right? Uh, but, but I believe it will help us if we can do this, understanding and honoring one another in the ways that, that we are wired up is so important. One other thing that, um, I don't know if Pastor Matt mentioned it last week, I'll just show you this and then we'll move on. We all have a love language. I know our small groups did some work with this over our, uh, this past week in our small groups. Gary Chapman wrote a wonderful book called The Five Love Languages. And it's how you and I experience love And we all do it in different ways. There's five major ways. And all of us have a primary love language. And then uh, we also have been a secondary love language as well. You'll see a list of those love languages here. Uh, Words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. And so understanding and discovering how your spouse or your friend or your coworker um, experiences love, how you can show appreciation to them is really valuable. I'll just share this quickly out of my own life. Years ago, not too long ago, I was uh, spending some time washing my wife's car. I would wash the inside and then I would detail, I wash the outside and then I would detail the inside, getting rid of all those slightly used tissues. What is it with you ladies? tissues just I don't don't get it just laying around you know not not you know fully used just slightly used yeah um anyway so I would clean those things out and I'll get the car all cleaned up and she would take off and go to work or whatever and she'd come back and nothing crickets I would hear nothing I thought, hmm, man, what's the deal? And, and so maybe I didn't do it well enough. So, so the next week, maybe I'd clean it even more, you know, and work at it hard, and nothing. And, and I remember, it, it, this, this isn't her fault. Here's the deal. I was trying to show love to her in my own love language, acts of service, rather than in a love language that she connects with. Quality time was a big one for her, Right? And so I learned if I want her to feel loved, I got to do it not in the way that I feel loved, but in the way that she feels loved. And so guess what I discovered? Sitting on the couch, if I ask her, can I rub your feet for you tonight? That's big. That's huge love language right there, isn't it, sweetie? And it pays some dividends sometimes too, I'll just say. But um, It's funny, I'll be sitting on the couch and this foot just kind of comes in front of me and lays down on my on my lap, right? (laughs) I know what I'm supposed to do. I start rubbing, right? Hey, you know what? She gave up her name for me 35 years ago. I can rub her feet, right? Yeah. You see, we honor one another when we intentionally affirm each other, when we understand and take the time to discover how is he wired up? How is she wired up? Why does she perceive things the way she does? How can I understand and communicate with her better? This love language thing is really important, and it will work even at work, but you just want to be careful with that at work, okay? If your boss's love language is physical touch, don't go there. (laughs) Please. Please. Show appreciation in other ways, all right? Um, And in fact, that does bring up something I want to just touch on briefly. We haven't really touched on it much in this series, and that is this, a third way to honor one another is to stay faithful. Stay faithful with one another. The Bible is very clear. There's no room for contradiction. There's no room for discussion on this. The Bible is so clear. It says this in Ephesians chapter five, verse three. The Bible gives us some clear words. Among you, there must not be even a what? A hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed. Because these are improper for God's holy people. Not even a hint of sexual immorality. So what am I saying when I'm saying stay faithful? For those of you who are married, I'm saying what the writer said in the book of Hebrews. He said that marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. Period. No room for anything else. Honor your spouse. Be fully devoted to your marriage. Be fully devoted to your spouse. Don't let anything, anything infiltrate your relationship with one another in this way. And don't dishonor another person's marriage by something that you do as well. For those who are single and watching this today or here in the room today, It's important for you to realize as well. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. The Apostle Paul wrote these words. We're going to have them in just a second, I promise. (laughs) Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. And so he goes on. You were bought at a price, therefore honor God, with your bodies. What am I saying? If you're single, you're staying faithful to God. Staying faithful to God with your body. Not even a hint of sexual immorality. You were bought with a price. Honor one another by honoring each other sexually. It's so important. In the workplace, keep those emotions toward the opposite sex. Keep those things in check. That there being nothing impure, no filthy joking, no sexual innu- innuendo, none of that stuff in the workplace. Don't do that. Listen, these boundaries will prevent you, they'll help you and keep you from committing adultery or fornication, which is the ultimate dishonor to a spouse or to someone else. Stay faithful. It's so important. A final way that I, I want to, to encourage you to honor one another. Is this And that is to show grace. Show grace to one another. You see, the reality is your spouse, family members, friends, co-workers, at some point, we're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. We might even sin. There's, we're going to blow it. And so you and I have the opportunity then to discover, decide, how will I respond to this? How will I respond? And we can decide that now. We can make the decision now that I will respond with grace when that moment comes. Colossians chapter 3. Paul writes these words. He says, therefore, this is Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Let me, let me tell you what that word clothe means. The imagery behind that word, the original word there that's used, is somebody sinking in to a garment that just kind of envelops them. Isn't that beautiful? Clothe yourself. By choice, I'm going to clothe myself in humility, in kindness, gentleness, and patience. Verse 13, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That word bear with one another, to bear with, that phrase means to hold up under, to stay in it, to be willing to to stand in it. Put up with each other because God has put up with us. That's what Paul says. That's why we do this. Go back just a few pages to Ephesians 4. And Paul makes it clear about how we communicate with each other is part of this showing grace to one another. Ephesians 4, verse 29, he says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. Do you get that? Only what is helpful for building others up according to your needs, according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. This is how we are to communicate with one another, the grace that we're to have for each other. Now, sometimes, let's be honest, we purposefully wound each other and hurt each other. And I've just got two words for that. Stop it. Like, just stop it. But there are other times when we wound each other, when things we say or things we do, and we didn't even realize that it happened. But then if we don't communicate about it, it ends up being destructive in our relationships. Amen? So what if we had a common way of understanding when we've wounded one another, a way that we can both understand? Because you see, here's the thing. Especially between men and women, we perceive things very differently differently. And sometimes we can wound one another and we don't even know what's happened. I wanna give you a scenario. Now, this is not a scenario out of my life. (laughs) You heard that right, sweetie? Okay. Um, This is just a scenario, but just just catch this. So let's say um, after dinner... The the wife in this relationship is already at the kitchen sink starting to work on the dishes, and the husband's coming up. He's getting ready to to put the dishes in the dishwasher. And he walks up beside her, and he puts his hand on her back. And he's just wanting to show his love for her. And he kind of slowly lets his hand slide down her back. And then his hand kind of stops at this place where there's a little bulge of skin that didn't used to be there maybe years ago. It's just, you know, just a little wrinkle, a little... Little thing there. Um, and, and he just kind of stops there for a second and just pats a little bit and just, you know, lets his hand go a little bit more. Right? Now, let me just ask you. His, his goal was to communicate, I love you. Let me ask you ladies. <laughs> what did he just communicate to you? <laughs> You're fat right? Now, think about the disconnect. He thinks he's being loving. He's, he's like just saying, I love you. He's not thinking about it. He's just saying, I love you. And she's thinking, he thinks I'm fat. <laughs> now, is this really far off from reality? Can, no, it's not. This can happen, right? Look at the disconnect in unspoken action. So what is she, so here's what's going to happen. Either if she doesn't communicate what just happened, what's going to happen? Oh, she's going to communicate it, <laughs> right? Like, 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 he's not going to know what's wrong, but he's going to know the temperature in the kitchen just went down 25 degrees, right? Like, I don't know what's happening, but she's mad at me about something, and I don't even know what it is, right? Let's just be real. So let me just give you this analogy, this simple picture of a way to communicate what just happened. I call it the boulder. And the pebble and so I want you to imagine if I was to take this pebble and drop it here on the stage what would happen there would just be a little little tick 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 you'd hear it but it wouldn't do any damage not much would happen right but if I take this boulder and drop it on the stage what's gonna happen it's gonna make a loud noise if it hit my toe it would really hurt <laughs> And it's gonna do damage, right? So, what if in that moment at the kitchen sink, the wife could say to the husband, Oh, that was a pebble. Or she could even say, That was a boulder. That felt like a boulder to me. What has she done? She's instantly communicated in a way that he can understand that she's been wounded, something has hurt. And now his opportunity is to own it. And simply say, I am so sorry I hurt you. Please forgive me. Not, what did I do? (laughs) Or, what do you mean? Why Why did that hurt you? Come on, I was just teasing. I was just playing. I was just kidding. No, 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 no. The hurt is perceived and is real. Amen. And with the boulder and pebble, she's let you know it was maybe a little hurt or it was maybe a big hurt. And so now we have the opportunity to own it, seek forgiveness for it, and then, then maybe we're ready to communicate about it. Help me understand what I did. Help me understand why that wounded you. Help me understand why that hurt. So I don't do that again that make sense? I want to challenge you, encourage you to use the boulder and the pebble. If you have a hard time understanding sometimes why you hurt each other, uh, why this was an issue, you have to agree together to do it. And then again, the key is don't jump to the defensive. I didn't mean anything. I was just playing. No, it still hurt. It landed. Own it. Does that make sense? We're pushing on time. Can, can I give you one more little help? in communication? Are we okay? We're doing all right? So so, so, let's say you had that conversation and now it's time to talk about it. What's a great way to communicate it? Remember what, what Paul said in Ephesians 4, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs so that it may help those who listen. So this is a little exercise that um, I was given by some friends of our church uh, Uh, Beth and David Miller they run a a marriage ministry called Love Like That sweet sweet people and um, it's called The Floor and so what I did is um, this is just as a little example you don't have to do this but I just took a post-it note and I made it like a little kitchen floor I put a tile, like a little tile floor on it there and here's, here's a way to communicate with each other in a way that really honors remember this whole thing is about honoring one another here's a simple tool for communicating now watch this when someone has the floor, you, you remember that phrase that comes from public speaking from in a public square, if somebody has the floor, it means it's their turn to talk, right? They get to talk, other people listen. So when someone, when someone has the floor, they will communicate what they wanna communicate. When you rub that place, that was a you know a little fat bump there. This is why it this is how it felt to me, this is how I perceived it, this is this was is the issue. And that person explains that. The person who's listening is doing just that: is listening to understand what the person is communicating. Now, here's the key: the person who is listening needs to be listening to understand because what's gonna happen next is when that person stops sharing and says, all right, I've communicated what I wanted to communicate. The listener is going to say back to them what they just heard them say. It might be in their own words, but they're gonna say, this is what I understood you to say. And they're gonna speak it back. They're not, it doesn't mean you agree with it. It doesn't mean it's right. You're just simply making sure you understood what they communicated and then that and and then they will finish that statement they'll say that's what I understood you to say is that correct if it wasn't correct then the person says no let me let me add a little more meaning and and then it goes back again or whatever until the person is understood and only then does it shift back then to the person who was listening first now can respond to what they've actually heard the other person say does that make sense this takes a little longer. It's a little harder to communicate this way, but it's so important. And here's the key, as a listener, when I'm listening to that person sharing their feelings, I am not reacting to trigger words and formulating how I'm gonna react, how I'm gonna respond and what I'm gonna to say to that. Because if I do, I miss what she's really trying to communicate. If I'm thinking about how I'm gonna respond the whole time, I'm not really listening to understand so don't jump there just listen understand speak it back to them this is what I heard you say is that correct and then you're able to communicate and respond in a way you're responding to what was actually meant what was actually communicated and that's how you can honor one another in those communications in those moments don't react respond and Paul says do it not with unwholesome talk but in ways that build one another up according to each other's needs. Now, I know that's very practical. Maybe you didn't come to church to get something that practical. But listen, it will help you. And that will actually work, not just in a a marriage, that'll work in the workplace as well. Let me make sure I understand what you're saying. Is that correct? Now I can respond because we've actually communicated. It matters that we honor one another it matters how we treat each other with grace. It matters, these relationships matter because people matter. They matter to God and they should matter to you and me. Well, our prayer in this series has been that you've gotten some tools in your tool belt, some some specific ways that you can work on your relationships and goals for you to aim at in your relationship. But I want you to know today that when it comes to honoring others, there's nobody better than Jesus at honoring others. Jesus did it perfectly. He honored women. He honored people in any kind of status. He understood the value of honoring. And Jesus still does that to this day. He honors you for who you are. He loves you for who you are. Not for what you bring. Not for the gifts you have. Listen, all of that comes from him anyway. He honors you for who you are. And his desire is to help you with this in all of your relationships. And if you're like me, you need help. (laughs) I can make a decision to try to do these things, but if I just do it in my own strength, it's probably not gonna last for really long. I could do it a little while, but I need his help. I'm guessing there's more of us like me in here than not. We need the Lord's help. I wanna invite you to stand with me. We're gonna go into a time of prayer and close the service in just a moment. If you don't have goals for your relationship, you'll hit it every time. <laughs> what do you mean you'll hit it? You'll hit nowhere every time. It'll go nowhere every time. Well, I shouldn't say that. It might go somewhere, but not where you want. But the Lord wants to help you with that. So how many of you today, with me, you would just say, you know, Pastor Dwayne, I could really use the Lord's help and Showing honor, respect, understanding my spouse, understanding my boss, and being more respectful or honoring of those people. Anybody else along with me that you you would just say that's me? I can really I really need to work on that honoring other people in my lives. Yeah, lots and lots of hands. I appreciate that. Your response. We're going to ask the Lord to help us with that. Here's the thing about giving grace. It's hard to give what you haven't received it's hard for us to pour out what we haven't been filled up with. So when we're talking about that, we're talking about what does it really mean to follow Christ and to receive the grace of Christ, that he receives us right where we are. He doesn't say, get cleaned up and come to me. He just says, come to me, just as you are. So today, maybe you are sitting here, maybe you're watching online and And you just realize the Lord's been kind of talking with you maybe over the last few weeks or maybe sometime today about your relationship with Him. And He's just saying, I want you to surrender your life to me. I want you to to surrender all the stuff that bothers you, the things that you know aren't right. Why don't you just let me wash you clean of that and make you new and make you fresh. We call that being saved from the, the consequences of our sin. Jesus called it being born again. called it being made new in Christ. Today's a perfect, beautiful day for you to decide to do that because listen, until we receive the grace that God has for us, it's really hard to give that grace to somebody else. But we realize how unworthy we are, but yet Jesus still loves us and accepts us right where we are. As you bow your head and close your eyes today, I just wanna ask, is there anyone here in the room or anyone online that you would just say, today I wanna receive Christ as my savior. Today's the day. I need to make things right with God. Just quickly raise your hand and put it right back down. I just wanna acknowledge it. It's a step of faith for you to do that. It's a step of faith, I know. I just wanna give you that opportunity today. We don't like to end a service without people having the opportunity to say yes to Jesus Christ. Another moment, yes, thank you, thank you, Lord. In the chat, you can just say, That's me, just type in there, That's me. So, Lord Jesus, in this moment, we just pray a simple prayer together of surrender to you, Lord. We thank you that you love us and are accepting us right where we are. Would you just pray this prayer out loud with me, everyone, where you are, Lord Jesus? Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you want relationship with me. And you've already paid the price so that my sin could be forgiven, so that I can be made clean and have a right relationship with God the Father. So today, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin, to wash me clean and make me new. I receive you as my Savior, and I claim you as my Lord. And with your help, I will follow you all the days of my life. Give me strength when I'm weak, and give me joy in this journey, because I'm a new person today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's thank the Lord for that. Hallelujah. If you prayed that prayer, there's a QR code on the screen. We would love to know. You need to tell someone before you leave today. We have a prayer team down front. You could come and tell them. Let the person know at the welcome desk. We've got resources for you there. And be aware, we've got baptisms coming up in about two weeks. And it's a great next step for you to take. Thank you for being here today. We hope you've enjoyed the Relationship Goals series. We'll see you next week for a brand new series. God bless you.